Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. It's Helen here, and I want to talk to you about a new member of RQ Network, The Silt Verses. This new audio drama from the creators of I Am In Askew is somewhere between horror and contemporary fantasy, both weird and dark, which I'm sure listeners of our original podcasts will enjoy. Follow the characters on a road trip down a sacred river in a land of bizarre gods and monstrous sacrifices. If you're a fan of American gods, this show is for you. Search for The Silt Verses on all podcast platforms or visit thesiltverses.com to find out more. Have fun listening. Evil slime was a big thing for Goosebumps. I don't know why. I guess that was maybe that's something children are often afraid of that slimes just it, they certainly are after reading Goosebumps. Yeah. I think we like looking at goo. <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello friends and fans and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about horror fiction, specifically books, and I am overjoyed to be joined by Annie, Faye, Martin and Ty. We are as usual going to introduce ourselves alphabetically. Sorry for putting you on the spot, Annie. Um, can you give us your pronouns and what do you do? No worries. Uh, yeah, Annie Fitz, she, her pronouns. And I uh, was one of the vocal editors for Magnus, end of season four and all of season five. And uh, sort of a general editor now. Also the voice of Actorax on Stellar Firma. Yes, very good. Excellent. Faye, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? Uh, yes, um, my name is Faye Roberts. My pronouns are Zizia or uh, they, them. Uh, don't mind whichever you get to. And I played Daisy in the Magnus Archives, um, Cressida in, which uh, is just such a contrast, um, in, <laughs> oh, crikey, Inexplicables, that's the word. And uh, yeah, just keep turning up to stuff, I think. Fabulous. Martin, what are your pronouns and who are you? Hello, Martin Pratt, he, him. I did some things with IT and Rusty Quill, job titles, CTO, uh, and I was also uh, Robin Lennox on the Magnus Archives in episode 100. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I always forget that. I should re-listen to episode 100 just to hear 
all the friends. It's a divisive one. Some people hate that episode. <laughs> really? <laughs> so joyful. Oh, dear. And last but not least, Ty, can you give us your pronouns? Let us know what you do. Yes, hello, I'm Ty Lawson, they, them pronouns, and I am in charge of all of Rusty Cole's money. Um, so yes. that's that's what I do. I make sure everybody gets paid. I make sure all the, the money that comes in goes where it's supposed to be. I do all the maths and all the stuff with abacuses. Or, is that the plural of abacus? I don't know, moving on. So um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's me. And I was uh, angry vampire number one in Inexplicables. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Excellent role, that one. Right, so we're going to dive right in with a very big question that may well take us the whole hour to talk about, which is, how do we define horror fiction? Like, what is a horror book? I was having a think about this when you asked. Uh, yeah. And I think that the difference for me about between, like, a thriller or even something like a speculative fiction is that the focus of the book is fear, or the mm. fear of the thing and that it's something supernatural or superhuman even if it is you know like a you know um like the inverted commas sort of crazed killer with a knife it's mm. still an element of of humanity gone too far mm. yeah. so i think that's mm. the idea it's, it's some kind of like you know people know the quote from stephen king about the difference between horror and terror which is yes. oft, oft quoted and i won't do it now but i think one of the main differences is yeah if you're looking at a thriller it's something that could within the realms of possibility actually happen in the real world whereas a horror is maybe more there's a supernatural or paranormal thing there's a quote that stuck with me from uh, i read this ages ago i don't even remember where but I was reading somewhere because you often see science fiction and fantasy grouped together. Mm. Somebody mm. was justifying that actually when you look at a lot of like publishers and a lot of the way that the people in in the business in massive air quotes classify things, <laughs> a lot of them would say uh, sci-fi, fantasy, horror as three in one category mm. because mm. the idea is it's it's almost exactly like Ty said. It's the uh, horror has to be. Um, I mean, I would use the word speculative. In one way or another, horror has to be has to ask a "What if this was different?" And you can go mm. so far as to go "Alien is horror," which is all the way sci-fi mm. too. Or you could, as you said, the crazed killer stuff is still just like "What if real life?" But there was this like way exaggerated. What if we took this like? behavior pattern or thing that can happen and took it to a totally unnatural extreme. I think that's what makes it horror um, versus a thriller. Mm. Mm. Do you have any takers, Faye or Martin? Partly I was I was thinking about this um, earlier, remembering that I was going to be doing this, and I was thinking about, you know, early horror fiction and how I'd go into it and stuff like that. And I realised that a lot of the stuff I'd been exposed to as, as a kid was actually pretty horrific and also um, about the unknown and it got me thinking about how some of the really early, like really early primeval kind of stories that humanity tells is about what's happening in the dark. Why does this terrible thing happen? And, you know, coming up with other supernatural, supernormal kind of explanations for it, kind of populating the dark, either as a way of controlling it or as just a just to give yourself a thrill or whatever. But it's 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 old and it is about what you can't see. 
to me that's that's like a, a a prime thing of of horror it's about what you you can't reason with necessarily unless you yourself change to be something that can c- com- communicate with this uh, this supernormal thing mm-hmm. i think with horror there's, there's there's just the idea of like a monster and that monster is it's not necessarily like just you know big scary like creature physical monster but like there's there's something horrific about an entity that is being described or 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 run away from or or exists within within the work of that fiction uh, and you're kind of exploring what that monster is how it works how you can get away from it possibly or um or or, or how to deal with it and that and that's what the the story sort of about and that's what a horror book is to me i think so then is it fair to say that horror then explores the monstrous Mm. to the extreme rather than a thriller can explore like monstrous things or people Mm. but horror is like a step further in Mm. what it wants to tackle what do we think i think it's it's partially the um what Faye was saying about how we're just trying to give shape and form to what we don't understand or what we because we fear what we don't understand mm. and so it's then that same thing of uh, horror has to be something that uh, there's a there's a mental disconnect between yourself and connecting with whatever this antagonist is okay. because you don't understand its motivations or where it's come from or there's you know most most monsters are are kind of um antagonizing uh creatures i guess that appear in horror can't speak with the protagonist or with the characters Mm. it's more of the focus on yeah of the sort yeah it's the source of the fear and putting a a face Mm. on that or some kind Mm. of name onto it and it's exactly not being able to reason with it because the point at which you're able to rationalize fear you can stop Mm. being afraid of it yeah normally but that doesn't work for everything it's not completely ubiquitous we all have things that we're afraid of and i think at a certain certain point with fiction you're like i've made something so horrible that nobody could not be afraid of it Mm. to represent this underlying fear that exists even when you know that there's nothing in the dark and Mm. there isn't anybody you know lurking behind that door you still you still like to freak yourself out a little bit and be like oh what if there was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's not just the monstrous but specifically like the monstrous unknown and yes. that can be mm. all manner of things mm. excellent oh, you're all so clever mm. um okay so now we know what we think horror fiction is mm. how did we all get into the genre i'll start I'll, I'll start um i think probably the first horror book i read gosh i should have got it out from my bookcase it was a collection of short stories from maybe the 80s or or 90s Mm. it's a very tattered uh falling apart old book and it was all stories like the called like um you know the the glove and um (laughs) someone bought a pair of gloves uh and they had like a, a red stain in them and it turned out that um the gloves used to belong to someone who was in a train crash and their hands got chopped off nice and um the gloves each night like inch closer to the person who now owns them until eventually they wake up with the gloves attempting to strangle them and they sort of like just throw them away uh-huh. um <laughs> it was all it was all that kind of right. you know what if 
this thing was alive or <laughs> what yeah. if you saw a person and they were weird <laughs> you know <laughs> a toaster but haunted toaster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about all of you would anyone like to start i i think that my entry point at least as far as horror books goes is probably pretty common because i would say mm. the first horror book i ever read would have been the one of the scary stories to tell in the dark series ah which in in retrospect are terrifying. Those books mm. are are I mean the, some of the content in them is you know even even to this day like I I, I I sometimes sit back and think about the like how many different stories in those books involved something wearing someone else's skin <laughs> and just think I read that when Oof. I was like eight. That's yeah. that's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they're all so creepy, and the illustrations are really what sells it in those. They're, in, they're oh, yeah. incredible. There's actually, um, I follow a YouTuber. I'm just looking her up now. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring her up is that uh, she's rating all the scary stories to tell in the dark. She's like reading all of them and saying um, which ones are most effective and what she thinks of each of them. Nick Spheres. Nick Spheres, I think, is her mm, name. Cool. Yes, um, yeah, The Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark tier list, part one. And part one is 40 minutes long. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, fantastic. But I've heard that like, the, the, the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark thing is very ubiquitous for mm. people from the US. Um, and we didn't have that here, necessarily, I don't think. Don't, I don't recall them, certainly. but I wasn't sure if they'd ever, yeah, crossed, crossed the pond. But the uh, no. the... the Nearly everyone I knew when I was in like late elementary, early middle school, so that's like eight to twelve ish. Mm. Nearly everyone I knew had a copy of that book. Of it was a trilogy. Most people had the first one, but had a copy of one of those mm. books on the shelves. And even if you don't look up to read the stories, you have to look up the the drawings that accompanied the yeah. stuff in those books. They're they're it's still some of my favorite horror art because it just it really like. No matter how much people can do these really crazy realistic things that really haunt you with digital art these days, there's something that just sticks in you about the art in those books that just, I, yeah. it's never left me since. When I think of the standard of what looks scary, it's those books, top, you know, top of the list. Yeah, Nick Spears puts it as um, being jump scared by a page right. or something <laughs> like that. Like you'll turn the page and there'll be one of the pictures and you'll be like... Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> How would you do that? I don't know if we've got like an equivalent here. I was going to say the ones that I got. It wasn't the first book, horror book that I read, but the ones that sort of carried it on with the Goosebumps series. I knew someone was going to say so, that. So mm. the R.L. Stein books, yeah. Yeah, way more common here. I think I had tons of those. But I never found them scary. I just got them given because people were like, oh, these must be scary. And I think I needed like a, an yeah. older caliber of book, maybe. But I do remember mm-hmm. the first... I, I call it a horror book because of the subject matter, but I read it when I was five and it was age appropriate. It was just that it was like a picture book with with some uh, words on, on each page, like simple words, but... The idea was that you were following um, a ghost train 
like through like a haunted house and at the end was oh. you know the book opened up and it was death um there to get you <laughs> and i was like fascinated with it and showing everybody and like look and look at all these pictures of skeletons and bats and i was i was the kid That's that cool. like loved creepy things all the time and then it kept to yeah kept going with with other books and there was a great series that i read when i was a teenager the point horror um series mm. they were really great some of those have stuck with me because they're just about being a teenager and sort of like weird weird things going going off like one about a, a cheerleader who makes a pact with a vampire to become the head cheerleader and then notices all of her friends are really drained and mm-hmm. not acting themselves mm-hmm. and uh have bite marks in their necks and all this kind of stuff. and the yeah so the vampire has been sort of killing off her friends slowly so that she can take over their lives but there's a vivid description of like its skin being like mushrooms like in Ooh, both uh. in color and in texture Ooh. because it's so old and yeah i yeah. i started in with the creepy books early yeah. Nice. yeah. What about you, Faye? I've been trying to think about this. I think part, weirdly enough, my folks are really into um, Russian and Scandinavian folk tales, and if you've ever read any of that, uh, um, yeah, some dark from really quite quickly. And I, I have a feeling I'm significantly older than most of you, so the goosebumps and the rest of it and point horror were very much for people younger than me. I'd already. Mm. But mm, I'd already kind of got a bit too old for them by the time they started coming out. Sure. Um, yeah, so going from like quite dark um, folklore and then the Scottish side of the family, Scottish ghost stories are a big thing. So like, you know, this castle's been haunted by this particular person who's been murdered and put in the walls kind of thing. And then this other person is said to kind of glide along the... Uh, the, the landing to to tell of people coming to invade or whatever and you know just that was like that's family upbringing and every time we used to go back to to, to Scotland um, it'd be another round of National Trust visits mm-hmm. and another another little ghost uh, book true ghost stories of Scotland to add to my collection so um, <laughs> yeah so when you were saying about how it's um, you know it's it's an inconceivable thing it you know horror is something that can't happen because this was from when I was quite young. The idea that horror is something that can't happen. That took a lot longer to kick in because mm. for me, the idea that ghosts are real and that this happens was kind of inculcated from a bit younger, I guess. So that's that was an interesting sort of tip over point maybe later. I don't know. But um, mm. yeah, so it was just that, that was how it kind of segued. So going from uh, you know, true life hauntings and terrifying apparitions and all that kind of thing into um yeah and people writing fiction about it and classic horror fiction because you know you'd have the i don't know necessarily the ladybird version of dracula or whatever but close Mm. enough you know and your parents Mm. think oh it's a classic you know kids should be reading the classics so you know (laughs) you're reading these truncated versions of these stories and then uh the local library once you got to i think it was 13 you were able to read the adult books which i think was a, a wild notion um, because they, we didn't have like a teen section you either had kids books or you went straight to the adult books yes that was the same in my local library too right so then I was um, graduating to uh, Stephen King and Clive Barker and stuff like that in my early teens but then I'd already read A Clockwork Orange so I think everything else after oh. that was like, oh right okay Weird, weirdly the same yeah everything seems pretty tame <laughs> by comparison <laughs> to some of the stuff in that I, I read that at, right. um 
The school library actually had a Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. I think I read it when I was like 14 or something. Wow. <laughs> my, yeah. my school library had, has this big old, they just basically kept stuffing it with books and not paying much attention to what was there, I think. Mm. So I managed to get hold of like really old horror, like Victorian mm. and like Georgian horror. So, you know, Mrs. Wow. Gaskell and stuff like that. Um, where a lot of a lot more of it is suggested. So, of course, when you're a kid, you're not really sure what they're suggesting <laughs> all the time. But you know, mm. the, oh goodness, his name's fallen out of my head. That the classic um, American horror author. Ah, oh. oh no, no, not Poe. Oh, I can't think. Of his, his, his name will come to me probably when we finish recording. But yeah, um, yeah. Lovecraft. Oh no! And I was exposed to Lovecraft like through short story compilations way too early as well, I suspect. But um, yeah, uh, no, I can't remember any. But the the old stuff, the the Victorian stuff. There's a lot, like I say, there's a lot more suggestion. There's a lot more, you know, the the lurking horror is just kind of painted by what's not there, kind of stuff. And it's all very, mm. very nudging. It's the turning of the screw. Oh, that mm. yeah. All, all, all that kind of mm, suggestion stuff and it's yeah it's to me that's much more that's much more satisfying horror than straight up you know buckets of blood and and, and all the rest of it and it's <laughs> as, as soon as an author has used the word it's horrific or they talk about oh it's eldritch or or, or it's oh i don't feel spooky now because you've laid it out explicitly show don't tell show don't exactly, tell exactly that one exactly that yeah <laughs> I've just um, uh, briefly. I'll just mention that I've just been hit with the memory that I had a Goosebumps um, bumper slime edition, and it was, <laughs> and it was nice. all of the stories about that blob thing. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. The blob I remember just that. Eats everyone. It, was it the one? It came from under the sink. Was it that one? Something like that. I think. It, I remember that it was bright green. Yeah. And in the middle, it had a little plastic pocket full of goo that you could poke. <laughs> yes, I remember that, yeah. Evil that was... slime was a big thing for Goosebumps. I don't know why. I guess that was maybe that's something children are often afraid of, that slimes. Just, it, they certainly are after reading Goosebumps. Well, maybe, the, maybe the author just had a weird phobia. I think we like looking at goo yeah. and thinking about goo. <laughs> Gooey substances. It's fun. Okay, so we've talked a bit about the like the first horror books we... Uh, looked at and this might be like a, this is a slightly similar question but I'd be interested what's the first book that actually like scared you because that might not be the same thing like you might have read a Goosebumps book and just been like oh that was fun and that's technically horror but it may not have actually scared you mm. and also it doesn't have to be a horror book to be frightening I thought about this I think the first book I remember scaring me was uh, Beyond the Deep Woods by Paul Stewart which is from the Ooh. the Edge Chronicles. Um, I don't know if anyone, anyone knows uh. them. They're, they're great. They're illustrated by uh, Chris Riddell, and it's oh, about wow. it's a complete fantasy about a different world. You know, all different races. There's sky pirates. There's um, you know, there's interestingly named things that appear. It's really fascinating. It's not even ba- most of it is not even based in like regular fantasy. It's all completely original. Mm. Um, but in in Beyond uh, the Deep Woods, we hear about a Twig, who's a sort of humanoid who lives with more kind of kobold-like creatures um, who've raised uh-huh. him, but then say, you know, you're too big, you need to leave. And there's a couple of bits in the book that genuinely scared me, and one of them was about um, Twig's ostracization from the other 
um, from the, the people that he lives with in that there's a point where they play some kind of sport together and although they've never ever discussed the rules twig sort of goes off the field and like picks up the ball or he goes off and like kicks it back and they all turn on him immediately because they know that's the rule and he doesn't and i like i can't imagine why that spoke to me as a kid Mm. maybe there's something there no (laughs) let's not talk about that but um that was that scared me and then in a later part he meets a friendly creature called a banda bear and it's a big like huge bear with big tusks but they're big softies and the band of bears doesn't make it, um, unfortunately. But the 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 things that that get the band of bear, it's not some awful big creature. It's these little orange balls of fluff, and they just come along and like piranhas, basically, but on land. Oh. And I remember that scaring me. But I remember my my dad, who was reading it to me, telling me that that part had scared my sister so much he she wouldn't let him finish the book. Mm. Wow. Oh so yeah, this, it's just meant to be like this fantasy, but the again one with the illustrations. Chris Riddell mm. knows how to draw some really scary things with just Good, yeah. points in a black page. Mm. Really great. Right. Any other takers for first book that actually scared you? Oh, I've got one. Uh, it was uh, it was a book called The Ghost Dog by Pete Johnson, um, which uh-huh. was. Um, it's it's one of those ghost stories that starts with a ghost story uh, in it mm. about the uh, about this um, uh, this dog that uh, that has died, uh, but then it starts haunting the protagonist's dreams, and everyone who kind of told the story also starts getting haunted dreams, and it was mm. it's kind of like the in a similar way to like the um, oh what's the movie series Friday is. It, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Just like the that idea of mm. uh, nightmares and having a shared nightmare. Uh, this was at a time when I would like, as a kid, have nightmares as well. So like, mm-hmm. and them becoming real and them having like effects in the real world that really kind of scared me because um, my parents were always trying to tell me like nightmares aren't real, they can't get you, and yet I'm reading this book where nightmares are like affecting these kids' lives and like, <laughs> I'm like well Ooh. if you read this book mother, then I think you'll find it is very real <laughs> um, so yeah that was very scary Yeah, wow. Mine would be Fellowship of the Ring <gasps> Okay really? The Barrow Whites oh, Ooh, yes. yeah. The yes. Barrow Whites scared yes. me so much Absolutely. because you know, um, I it was on the one of the other the earlier Lord of the Rings enthusiasms, and I, I mentioned this there. Mm. My dad read me The Hobbit starting when I was six, and read all of the books straight through. So I was done with them by the time I was eight and eight and a half, something like that. So mm. I was probably seven, having the Fellowship read to me, and yeah, when, when they were in the the crypt uh, with the Barrow Whites, and and just before Tom Bombadil showed up, I think that was the first time a book ever really really scared me how about you Faye I'm, I've been trying to think this whole time um and I, I know things must have scared me as a kid but I I can't think of of any of those I, I remember the first book that the book itself was something that was scary and I just kind of had to get away from it was was probably The Shining Ooh. like I couldn't it I even I think there's actually a, a trope about this, probably friends or something like that. But um, I remember reading it and had to just I just had to put it in the middle of my floor 
so it was very visible and nowhere near me at night kind of thing that's properly <laughs> yes. got on, on to me they put it in the freezer oh, that's right yes <laughs> wow <laughs> so yeah and and it was uh, like most of these horror books they were all ones i'd borrowed from the library and i had to keep renewing it because i couldn't i couldn't possibly give it back without finishing it but i couldn't bring myself mm. to finish it um mm. and it just yeah it just sat in the middle of my bedroom floor just kind of looking at me for ages um i did get it finished i you, you were saying about your your sister not wanting to finish the story and i just kind of went no you have to you always have to finish the scary story you have to you have to get that resolution i agree um, something you, you i think yeah. that's the kind of um that's one of the interesting things about horror books is that like it's only like while you're progressing the story story you choose to keep going like you choose to kind of like and you have to kind of you get to you have to get to the safe spaces in between to be like okay right we got away from that creature that time now now we're just <laughs> now we're just chilling in the living room or in the kitchen right I can I can stop reading now and then we can go back mm. and have another adventure but like yeah I'd hate it in class when you'd have like dedicated reading time and you're like okay that's reading time done you're like no no, no I'm still like being chased right I'm now I need to in <laughs> I'm, I'm suspended in that reality yeah in which case I'll say mine mm. I've just tried to do a quick Google. And I can't find what I'm thinking of, but I think I think it may have been one of the Darkest Rising books. Oh. Um, and uh, if other people have read them, you'll have to tell me if this is actually a thing that happens because it could have been <laughs> any of the other weird fantasy books that I read. But there's a bit where there's a there's a, a a boy and a girl protagonist, and they end up with some dwarves, and they're down in like underground with the dwarves I... and like hanging around. No, I think you're thinking of. Um... The Brisingerman, not um, the Dark is Rising. Ooh, maybe, maybe because they get like go on holiday. Yeah, and like, and there's like still magic in the woods there. Yeah, and they it's, meet it's that. It's the uh, Alan Garner books you're thinking of, rather than yes, Alan Garner. Oh, what a lifesaver! Thank you. <laughs> nice. Yes, that's what I mean. They go down, and they meet all these dwarves, and then they have to escape because someone's coming after them. And the only way to escape is through some really narrow tunnels. Yeah, yeah. And that was so... Like, I'm, I'm claustrophobic anyway. But it was so visceral to me reading that. And I would have been uh, maybe pre-teen. Yeah, I was, I was nine point. when I read that. And it was... Alan Garner doesn't hold back all of his book people no. people suffer and they stay scarred it's not like those things where well they went through the trauma no PTSD here and they're right. all fine mm. with Alan Garner books and death is very real oh in those god you're, you're, yeah you're, you mourn the people who have died and they're not coming back and they're like ta-da it's yeah it's very very real I have a horrible feeling though that I only read that one book and didn't read any of the others <laughs> <laughs> because I don't remember anything else other than that one <laughs> he he also wrote the owl service ah. if you want something that's kind of claustrophobic uh, teen horror kind of stuff which mm. was just that one was odd to me because to actually read something that was that was set in Wales with Welsh people um, usually mm. if something's set in Wales it's like a bunch of jolly English kids go off and they have you know <laughs> uh, tea and crumpets and these these amusing Welsh people around them and for once yeah. it was actually from the point of view of, of of Welsh folk and that was quite that was that was quite a novel I, I ate that up gosh yeah I forgot it was set in Wales for some reason in my head it was Cornwall but that's the Darkest Rising books yeah it's, mm, the Darkest Rising some of them are set in Cornwall and some of them are set in Wales yeah oh well there's there's the confusion <laughs> 
Um, but on that, I think we'll take a break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. We talked about the definition of horror books. We've talked about our first forays into horror book. And now I want to hear about our favourites. Because I'm sure that we have many diverse favourite horror stories or books. Would anyone else like to go first? Because I didn't think about this question before I asked. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I know what my favourite is. And it's not necessarily the one that I've read the most often, but it's the one that I keep coming back to when I'm like, I want Mm. a really good bit of um, not just horror, but human drama. Mm. And it's by um, a queer Canadian author called Joey Camo. And the book is called One Bloody Thing After Another. Mm. And... It's, yes, I remember yes. this. I and remember it basically this. follows three different stories. And one of them is a teenager who can go invisible. But when she does, she sees her, her dead mother before she died. Um, there's uh, a couple of girls whose mother has started to become something not human. And they ha- keep having to find animals and then bigger animals. And then maybe actually it, animals won't be enough to keep no, her uh, fed. In, and locked in their basement and uh, then there's an elderly man who lives with this dog and he can see ghosts and every day he's followed by a woman and he can't hear what she's saying but she keeps trying to get him to go to uh, a certain apartment It's and their stories just intersect but you've got these two girls their, their mum before she got this sickness you know um, she was just trying to get a job to support them the teenager her mum's not around her dad's doing his best and the guy he's, he's old he's cantankerous he's not in touch with his daughter he just lives with Mm. his dog and so it's this each one of them has this like horror going on around them and it Mm. it is scary um as well the descriptions of uh jackie the character going invisible but at the same time there's such beautiful things like the the lead up we get for her story is that she's gone to see a tree that has a specific memory attached to it and someone's cut it down um because it it was just in their garden it just happened to be where a childhood friend lived and uh yeah there's there's just little things that's so sad it is it's really sad it's a very sad book but also it comes to a satisfying but unusual conclusion yeah it's it's scary and it's sad but it's one of those ones that kind of in each of them there's there's a very relatable sort of point of personality i think that most Mm. people could find like the the isolation or being a teenager who's confused Mm. about their place in the world and so on and so forth and yeah i just think it's it's really well crafted and it's not very long 
and the horror is in the things that you don't know rather than what you do. Mm. Gosh, I don't know how to follow that. Because <laughs> that's a very, very good explanation of <laughs> of a horror book. I think that mine, though, is... Um, it's called The Little Stranger. It's by Sarah Waters. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sarah Waters is the author who did all those uh, Victorian lesbian books. Mm. Yes. Um, but I, I feel like it does a disservice to them to describe them as that because they're all incredibly complex yeah. stories yeah. about a lot more than that. And it's just, it's, 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 one of, it's one of those things where like they just happen to be lesbians in them. Anyway, The Little Stranger is another period thing that Sarah Waters wrote. And it's about... It's about the fall of the aristocracy mm. after World War Two, And um, it's about a doctor who coincidentally is called out to to this old aristocratic family to... Um, I, think it's, I think it's a routine check on... Oh, the, um, their maid is having, is, is having stomach issues. But it turns out that actually she thinks the house is haunted and she wants to be sent home. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he gets to know the family and then the more time he spends there, the more weird things start happening around the house. And it's very much focused on how the house is, is like decaying and the the roof of this room is falling in. They've had to shut this up and they don't have money to to heat uh, X room or Y room. And he sees it as such a shame. And basically it's um, the little stranger is what they start calling the ghost inside the house, mm. but may also be the doctor. <laughs> It's really excellently done and I could reread it over and over again and it's all very much about, to my eye, it's about the fall of aristocracy and also about toxic male possessiveness. Oh, very much so, Over, yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Someone else is right. <laughs> um, but it's like possessiveness not, not, over, over, not only over property but over other people, especially women. Mm. And the sense of feeling owed something and taking it even if you don't realise that that's what you're doing. And it's it's all very deep and very intellectual. Yes, I, I just remembered <laughs> now that you're talking about it that I've watched the film. So I need to definitely... Yes, the film is really faithful. It's, it's, it was, I really enjoyed it, so I'm definitely going to read the book now that I know that it was based on a book. Yes, uh, the Little Stranger film with uh, Donald Gleeson and... Bruce some... Wilson. Yes, yes, that's the one. It's just some really great... Mm actors and actresses in yes. that um yeah that's my that's my favorite horror book i sort of have two answers i'll go with the number one first and then if we have time later i can get on to the second it may also fit a different subject okay. but um this is one where i imagine a lot of people have seen the movie adaptation um and that would be um annihilation slash the area x series by jeff vandermeer Yes, yes, I've seen the film but not read the book. Yeah, so so the interesting thing about that one is that the movie, while technically based off the book and it features certain things from the story that's in the book, it's not remotely a faithful adaptation, I guess you would say, because the thing about those books and one of the things that I love about them so much is that it's deliberately written in a way that you couldn't really sell in a movie you couldn't do mm. this book on film so they had to take elements of the story and tell a film version of it which i also appreciate that they did instead of trying to be faithful because it would have come out quite badly i think yeah <laughs> but the entire first book so it's a three book series annihilation authority and acceptance 
Annihilation is uh, a first person. It's just supposed to be the written journals of Natalie Portman's character from mm-hmm. from the movie, which means that it's all. Whereas you get some of this in the movie, it is one hundred percent internal thoughts um, and internal, you know, impressions of scenes. It's it's interpreted. It's not um, omniscient, so it's very much describing things the way that they, that a character would rather than the way that an author would, which lends a, a different element of like it being unknown to it. And there's all kinds of fun gimmicky bits to it, like the fact that there are no names in that book. No one ever receives a name, which I know they also kind of did in the movie. Nobody ever gets a name in the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever gets anything more than a title. Mm. And the protagonist even complains about this fact, goes, this is ridiculous, but whatever. This is what they want us to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and just, I, I remember, I was reading them as they were coming out because they were all three written at the same time, but they were released a couple months apart in the same year, all three of the books. Mm-hmm. And I had them all on, once I read the first one, I put the other two on pre-order so that when they came out, they would get shipped straight to me and I could just plow through them. And they're all three really, really fantastic and they tell a really lasting and sort of, I think one of the things that makes horror work for me, that make, that, 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 that puts horror stories over the top is that there's some kind of like, there's almost like a beauty to it. There's like a lasting something about it that's like, even though it's like scary and all this stuff, there's like something very, it has to be very like poetic and almost romantic in that way. It's some part of it that sticks with you. And th- these books are heavy in that. There is a lot of this sense of just greaterness than, than you and than what's going on. And um, mm-hmm. it just leaves you, yeah, I mean, it's hard to stop thinking about it once you finish them. So. Those, those are that's that's one of the two answers I would have is uh, easily one of my favorite horror anything of all time. Excellent, uh, Martin. What about you? Um, it might be a bit cheesy, but I've, Dracula was one that really stood with me. That uh, really stayed with me. Oh, that's not nah. cheesy because it's just like that's classic. It's, yeah, it's that classic. And I uh, read it a while ago, but like it, it just really stuck with me. Like the 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 way it's written in terms of just like entries in a in, in like a, a diary and stuff like yeah. that and mm. just the the story and how like epic it is and 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 yeah <laughs> i just really enjoy that period and that setting i was really just like settings and just hearing about just like the day-to-day things that people do mm. ar- around that yeah um ar- around the, the period so yeah that's that's the one that stuck with me. I remember just being young and having heard so much about it. I was just like, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read this thing. And it's dense. And I remember get, it took, <laughs> yes, a, it took a while to do. Um, but yeah, um, mm. yeah, that's the one. I, I think for. one of the things I like about Dracula is that there's a cowboy that turns up. Yes. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Faye, how about you? Uh, tricky one. Um, because a lot of... A lot of the horror that I come back to, I'm going to take basically Ty's approach and go, what do I keep going back to, Um, whether Mm. in my head or just going and picking the thing up again? And they tend to be things that kind of straddle genres, so they're not pure horror. Like, I'll read a pure horror book once and then I'll go, okay, it's like 
it's like a, a good detective novel. You even when you know who've done it, you want to read it again. But a bad one, you just go, mm. or a medium one, you just go, well, uh, another solution. I don't need to read this. There's no suspense anymore. And most, like a lot of horror, is like that. We just go, oh well, I know the solution. I know how it works. It doesn't. The mystery is solved or whatever. But <clears throat> I guess the one that I keep coming back to the most is by Clive Barker, and it's not. And Clive Barker's well known for especially his early stuff was just really schlocky um, body horror stuff like mm. lovingly described horrendous things happening to, to, to bodies and the rest <laughs> of it but he has this joy of transformation and the whole idea of mm. the ownership of monsterhood kind of thing is huge for him so a lot of his some of his early not just you know the latest stuff we'd kind of worked through had to do that but the early stuff there's always this idea of becoming the monster and really kind of owning that which is Mm. i mean there's a queer writer writing about owning your societal monsterhood i wonder Mm. i wonder where that um kind of Mm. gelled with me so well (laughs) but yeah um the one that i keep coming back to is a magica and it's huge it's a it's the physical version of it is a proper doorstep of a book and unfortunately the Kindle version has lots of typos which is really spoils the flow when you try and go back to it but it's it's not just horror and it's not just fantasy and it's not just and it's really com- compellingly normal fantasy I don't really know how else to put it and hmm. if you don't know what the book is it, the idea is it's um it's like a it's it's somewhere between an epic romance told over 200 and something years uh, and also religious and also spiritual and magical and horrific and just all of the things he really likes including transformation including um, a lot of sex um, and just kind of <laughs> put them all in just put all of them in and just keep going and it, it's, it almost feels like it's several books at once and in the hands of someone who wasn't really thinking about it it would it wouldn't be as syncretic as it is, but it manages to be all of those things woven in. It's it's him absolutely at his, his height as far as I'm concerned. Because, and part of why I love it is that the mystery isn't really solved. Mm. The deliberate, oh, try to say this without spoiling it, it's fantasy <laughs> in that, that there's lots of interjoined worlds and people can move between them if they have the way of knowing how to do it. But Earth is kind of like the last domain, the last dominion, which isn't easily joined. The others are kind of contiguous, but Earth, you have to expend a lot of energy, a lot of power to kind of breach that boundary kind of thing. And so there's all sorts of stuff about, you know, generations of people keeping that mystery and, um, you know, either protecting or uh, exploiting it. But there's also... It's just, it's really hard to explain because it is so many things in one. And because he's a visual artist as well, it it absolutely brings these incredibly vividly painted images to your mind. And the main main character is a visual artist as well. So he just kind of (laughs) really inserts everything in there, including himself. But it's it's just gorgeous and horrible. And it, it works. But because the horror isn't properly solved and because redemption comes in really weird ways and then deliberately cyclical kind of fashion you never you never get to the heart of the mystery and that's why you, you kind of want to go back and read it again and kind of re-engage mm. with the with the mystery and some of it you know almost tawdry horror encircling this much 
richer thing. So we're coming to time. I have one final question, which is, are there any upcoming books that you're keeping an eye out or that you're interested in seeing? Or are there any books that you've read recently that you'd like to talk about or recommend? I don't think I have anything I'm waiting to come up on. But I did Mm. read a good one recently, which was uh, The Lamb Will Slaughter the Lion by Margaret Kiljoy. Uh, which mm. is our main character. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use they as I'm not a hundred percent sure on the character's pronouns, but um, they travel uh, to. We don't get any information on who they are or why they're traveling or where they come from. Just that they're moving around, and um, they stop in a community uh, like an anarchist community that's been built around like an abandoned town, and every night. A stag made of blood comes out of the the woods to uh, seek sort of justice or retribution against somebody who a couple of members of the community have decided has wronged has wronged them or has done something Ooh. unacceptable. Basically, the idea is that there's a personal dispute that then two people sort of summon this this creature of of uh, anger and and vengeance and then can no longer control it but don't want to because they're like, well, it's only going after the people we don't like. And it's very much a, a sort of, yeah, a, um, leftist infighting kind of uh, allegory there. <laughs> but it was also just a very good book and features um, an entirely, uh, all the named characters are um, queer, most of them are trans, and I think all of them are polyamorous as well. So it's a really, um, really good book. And it also just features some really nice emotional interactions between the characters as they're waiting for sunset or talking about what's led to this in the first place. Oh, wow. Anyone else? I've got Johnny's books out on my shelf. Yeah, I was going to say, Johnny's Johnny's the next horror book on my list. I've only just started reading it. Yeah, so that's 13 Stories by Jonathan Sims. Um, Available where all all good bookstores and... Amazon, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he is not paying. No, us it's to do absolutely this. not. We it's genuinely not. want to read no, it. Yeah. No, this is not. That, we'll cut that bit out. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, know, <laughs> I, I do wonder when uh, when he was recording the Magnus Archives in uh, my flat, which was on the thirteenth floor, whether he thought of that uh, idea. Oh. I, I don't think he did. You'll have to check the acknowledgements oh. and see if you're in there, Martin, and Definitely then personally not. message him if you're not. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there might be. That was the first place I checked when I got <laughs> it. <laughs> I have an eternal recommendation that, that's that's uh, uh, relatively recent and also kind of fits category of looking forward to because I know there's a couple books in the series that I haven't got to. The News Flesh series by Mira Grant. Now, when I tell you Ooh. that the pitch for this series sounds not as appealing as the series actually is, I'm going to warn you <laughs> that up front, but it's literally, it's a zombie apocalypse book, but it's... Two uh, young adults, like early 20s, I think they are, uh, adopted brother and sister who are post-zombie apocalypse running news blogs because effectively internet blogging in an internet uh, decentralized news has taken over how we do news. Mm -hmm. Society after the zombie apocalypse has effectively carried on. The zombies are very real and it's very dangerous and there's places we do not go. But humanity was not wiped out by it. It was not even halved in population Mm. we didn't lose everything we just lost certain rural areas and everything is now very um secure 
and and things like this. They are following, they get hired to follow a presidential campaign in the United States as the official journalists for that. And there's a big kind of like government conspiracy type thing that breaks out. And um, it is, it's a very, very fascinating book um, or series. The first one's called Feed. They're, oh, Feed Deadline and I don't remember what the third one's called. Blackout. Oh, clever. Maybe. Oh, And then clever. there's also Feedback. Um, and like a couple other peripheral books in it. When I tell you it is easily the most fascinating piece of zombie anything I've ever consumed. They're they're so, so, so good. Highly recommend. I really like I like it when someone manages to make zombies interesting yes, again. Exactly. Uh and Faye. Um, like Martin, I'm I'm looking forward to Johnny's book. Um like I think I love a lot of, well, no, like a lot like a lot of people at the moment I've not really been engaging with much new media. They, mm. they've been finding people just haven't been reading or watching much new stuff but I'm kind of I'm feeling like I can I can do that a bit more mm. now it's like yeah. oh look a new thing that isn't fanfic let's uh, let's go <laughs> so yeah I would also like to say um, something that I have just finished reading is it, it's an entry on the SCP Foundation mm. and it's SCP 5031 and um it's a weirdly wholesome story about it's about the potential of sentient living beings and how you can realize that if you try. Okay. And like the horror of it is partly from you know what what the like the description of what the creature is and partly from um it's it's containment procedures oh. but it's got like a happy ending. Um, and I, I would really suggest that you read it for yourself. It's it's heartwarming horror that one, <laughs> in a weird, twisted way. And I think that's your lot. <laughs> um, thank you, listeners, for coming along with us as we talk about our favourite horror books and stories and fiction. Thank you as well to all of the participants. I extremely appreciate this conversation and um thank you so much for coming on the show oh, thanks thank for you it's been so with that it's goodbye from me goodbye and it's goodbye from them do you want to say goodbye everyone bye. goodbye bye. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Room, Jeffrey Nils Gardner and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening.